Charles didn't have just any coronary artery disease. He had Charles's coronary artery disease. Michelle didn't have just any heart attack. She had Michelle's heart attack. At VCU Health Poly Heart Center, we know every heart is unique. And as Virginia's only nationally ranked heart program, we'll keep them beating healthy and strong. VCU Health Poly Heart Center. Learn more at vcuhealth.org heart. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the WIM podcast. Women in Influencer Marketing, or WIM for short, is a first-of-its-kind exclusive networking group made up of inspirational women. This podcast is where we explore influencer marketing, advertising trends, and get real about women in business. Our mission is to network, to foster leaders within this exciting industry, and to share information to make our work stronger. That's where this podcast comes in. We'll bring you fresh perspectives on timely topics facing the industry from expert voices in the space. Find us wherever you download podcasts. And of course, you can always find us at IamWim.com. That's IamWim, double I, dot com. Hey, everyone. What's up? My name is Jesse Grossman. Uh, I'm the host of Wim and uh, the founder of this incredible group that we all call home. So if you are new here, welcome. I am so happy to have you. Um, Come stay a while, listen to this episode, check out our private Facebook group, um, sign up for the waiting list because we're launching a, a new collective really soon. The group's been around for almost five years at this point, which is mind-blowing to me. Um, and we are so excited to sort of revamp things and refresh it and um, make it more towards all the requests that you guys have asked over the years. We're um, a resource and a community, and we are super excited to have you here. So if you are listening to this podcast, can you take like three seconds, go into your podcast app and rate as many stars as you think we deserve. I'm not even going to ask you to hit five stars. I'd love that. Don't get me wrong. Um, But if you hit that rating, it actually helps us get more visibility to even more people who would like to listen to this podcast, which would be amazing. Um, A couple announcements. We have some really, really, really great events coming up that I just wanted to share briefly. I know I talked about them last week, but they're definitely worth sharing because one of them is this week. So this week we are having a TikTok fireside chat with an insider from TikTok itself. That is going to be this Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern. You can go to imwim.com slash events for more information. And then the other event one of many that I'm super excited about. You're going to hear me talking about this a lot, so sorry, not sorry. Um, We're going to be having an influencer tech demo event. So anybody knows me or listens to this podcast enough, (laughs) you know that I am such a tech geek and obviously I love influencer marketing or else I wouldn't have this podcast, right? So I got together with a bunch of friends of mine who work at the most incredible tech platforms in the influencer space, and we're all partnering up to put together demos. If you are like, oh, I am trying to find influencers and my influencer search platform is not doing what I need it to do, you are in 
such luck because we have so many incredible companies that specialize in that and do incredibly filtered, beautiful search lists of all kinds of influencers for your next upcoming campaign. Um, We also have tech platforms that are creating beautiful decks, compiling analytics, all sorts of things. It's not even limited to the obvious ones. We have some companies who are demoing new things. um, And it's for people at agencies, brands, PR firms, influencers themselves. We are not discriminating in in this demo. It's really meant to be for everybody. Anyways, I am so excited about this one. So again, you're going to hear me say this a lot. I hope you come. Um, I'm so excited about it, in fact, that this is a free event, completely free. Um, The other ones are like all of 15 bucks. So everyone can come to all of them. But this one, this one is free. So again, it's IamWim.com slash events. I really hope to see you there. All right. So this episode we spoke about all kinds of things. Um, Amanda, I am halfway through her her new book. She is such an inspiration. She started out as an influencer herself, had a really inspiring story as an athlete. She started and then sold her agency and then has since lived all over the world um, and is currently working in academia, started UCLA's first influencer marketing program. She's super interesting. If you know me well, you know, I really love multifaceted people who are just hustlers. She is absolutely one of those people. And she's also so kind. Um, So I'm so excited to welcome her to the podcast today. And I hope you really enjoy this week's episode. Amanda, it is so nice to have you on today. Um, Welcome to the podcast. I've been asking everyone who comes on now the most bizarre question, which I never had to ask before. But where are you quarantining? Uh, where are you quarantining from, Amanda? <laughs> well, thank you for having me. First of all, I'm, this is, I'm very, very excited to be on. Uh, probably m- my excitement factor for this podcast is higher than most because um, of your uh, awesome network of, 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 of uh, women in, in influencer marketing. And I am quarantining in, I've been split between um, Aspen, Colorado and Austin, Texas for the whole quarantine. So nice. A little bit of cold, a little bit of warmth. That sounds like the exactly. perfect balance, right? Yeah. It's, 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 a, it's, it's an ideal balance, especially when uh, Texas summers get to over 100 degrees. Oh my goodness. Um, I, I love speaking with people who aren't in, you know, the New Yorks of the world or the LAs of the world, but you've been, you've lived in, uh, in the big cities as well. We've heard a little bit about you in the intro, uh, to the podcast, but I always love to hear in your own words, like, tell us a little bit about your professional journey from, you know, big city to small city to Mm -hmm. European cities, um, professionally working with influencers and sort of give us the, the lowdown of how you ended up to where you are today. Yeah, thank you. It's been a, it, it, it's definitely been an unconventional path. Uh, I'm originally from a very small town. Uh, I guess you all come first full circle uh, in, in northern Canada. And I uh, originally, I actually originally came to the U.S. Um, on uh, a track and and cross country running scholarship, and that was my entire life. I was a, a runner. It was my career. It was my identity. Uh, it was uh, what I thought I would be doing right now. And um, my uh, career was cut very short 
uh, with a, a pretty tra traumatic injury. Uh, and at, I was 21 years old and it was before Beijing Olympics and I had just trained uh, my night and day for four years and uh, I found myself in a hospital bed with my whole career just kind of went blank. Um, and I remember thinking, oh my God, like, what am I, like, this is all I know. Like, where am I, what am I going to do from here? Um, and I already feel like I have failed on this epic level um, to go home and live with my parents um, after all of this just feels like I don't think that I could face it. Um, and I was, you know, running was also my career. So it was my, it was my visa as well. Um, and my health insurance. Uh, and so I wasn't even American, but I remember thinking, well, if I can't go to the Olympics, like I, I want it to me, I had this dream of New York city. I love New York more than anything in the world. Um, can, I didn't even know if people could actually live there growing up. I thought it was only something from the movies. Um, and I thought, well, if I can't go to the Olympics then I want to go to New York. And I remember my parents saying like, well, how, how like how, how are you going to go? You don't even have, you, you legally can't. And in order to get a job, you need experience. Uh, and I, I was like, that's correct. I don't have experience. But I would rather be homeless in New York than have to go back and live at home. Not because I have a bad family at all, but because it rep I, I, was, I think I was so devastated and my identity was so lost that I just couldn't face it. And there is something about failure on that level that strips you of any ego <laughs> and makes you go after things that you would, and do things that you would never normally do. Because like I had been, you know, up here with, with teams around and everything relied upon you and there, you have this confidence and the security in what you're doing and all of a sudden you have nothing. And that helped me hustle and become resourceful um, and hungry and literally hungry <laughs> as well. Um, so this is, this is, and I tell this story because this is actually what got, got me obsessed with influencer marketing in a very different way. Um, and I didn't call it that at the time, but I remember um, thinking, okay, I really, okay, what am I gonna do here? I didn't know a single soul in New York when I moved there. I couldn't even get a cell phone because I didn't have credit history. Um, and so I remember thinking, how, how am I going to, um, get somebody to hire me and sponsor my visa? And so I focused on, I had an undergraduate degree at the time, thank God. And I focused on three major consulting firms in the city and basically did everything I possibly could to find out who the gatekeeper was in each of these firms and what mattered to them and what, how could I, cause I had to prove that I was better than any American applying for the job as well. Um, and so I remember thinking, okay, I, they don't know me at all, but they know Nike. I was sponsored by Nike and they know the Olympics and I don't have experience, but I have a lot of used shoes and I have a lot of dedication and a lot of drive and hunger that I could now give solely to these firms. So I literally sent those three firms uh, a pair of my old used running shoes in a box with um, this handwritten note about how I could give all of this to you because I can't run anymore and I can work night and day and I will. Um, and uh, it's now called Cantar Group, uh, Cantar, uh, 
group, which you probably everyone slash knows, but it was Millward Brown at the time they, they merged. Um, and the CEO there, is, she just, just stepped down, but I tell the story because I hope she's listening. Uh, cause she's an incredible, incredible woman, but that was my number one pick. And they hired me. Um, they, they offered me the spot, uh, the job on this, on the spot in my final round interview. And that was my foray into New York. And that also taught me that about that influencers are not just a person, that they are brands, they are organizations. People knew Nike, they knew the Olympics. They can imagine what it takes to be a competitive runner. Um, and so that kind of became my first, and then I was like, you know what, you've got to leverage what you have. And so when I went back to business school um, I in the, in the city, I had this, I made a, my school project that you can have the best product or service or idea in the world. But if you don't have an audience that cares, that trusts you, it doesn't matter. And this was back when YouTube was very much like no respect, dumb and dumber style talent on there. Um, and I, um, somebody actually told me about how this, this thing, YouTube, which I had never even seen before, uh, that there were like these, like these people on there and they had these like crazy cult followings. At the time there was a guy named like Shay Carl who was huge on a huge in that, that time. And so I got on there and I started like following him and became literally like just enamored with how he was able to create this following and how it required no capital and that you could, he could sell these people anything. So um, I started a channel as a project. I was, a, and I used fitness because that's all I, I was rehabbing myself. And so I think it doesn't matter what the, it is as long as it's authentic to you. And for me, it was fitness. It could have been knitting. It could have been whatever. Um, and so I built this channel and the channel grew um, quite fast, fast for what, for what it was then. Uh, and I, I ended up getting sponsored by Google YouTube and not going back to my, uh, my, my consulting firm and deciding to take this, um, to take this as a full-time job. And what I did was I realized that I didn't own any of the content that was on YouTube. And in order to monetize long-term, you need to own your business real estate. And if YouTube died tomorrow, I'd be in big trouble. Just like if Instagram dies today and that's your entire business model, you're in trouble. So I, um, I ended up partnering with, I pitched, which was another, there's a whole story of pitches to all of these uh, bigger companies that I did that they were kind of like, it became like a challenge for me. Like, what can I, how can I get their attention? How can I gain their trust? And how can I influence them to work with me? And this was Trium Entertainment in Los Angeles. And they were the creators behind Biggest Loser and Amazing Race and pretty much everything, the fitness beats entertainment. And I thought, oh my God, if they could produce my channel like a television show, oh my, that's what, that would be incredible. And I'm going to, I'm going to air it like a real show. And so a uh, long story short of a, a year of courting them. Uh, they did become my 50% business partners. We created one of the very first online fitness subscription models for women specifically. And this was, this was back when 
people didn't really shop online and if they did they definitely weren't putting their credit card into the internet to get a, a product that was not even tangible <laughs> like a like a video so it was a very interesting experience um, and there was also no templates to build it out so we really built it out from scratch with no widgets or wordpress or whatever uh, and it was um it was one of the best experiences, one of the hardest experiences. We learned so much. Uh, and through that process, that's when I created an agency because having gone through the process, there was no one we could hire to help. No one knew how to film for YouTube, editing for you. That was like not a thing, um, creating content for online. And it was right around the point when like all of the publications, Rodale, Condé Nast, every day, and then like Livestrong.com, Everyday Health, they all started having online uh, counterparts. And so I was like, well, we, I am, we are the experts in this. And so I spun off, started an agency, uh, and I, um, I sold that agency in 2018 and have since really believed that there has been um, a gap in education and in um, the space of influencer marketing in terms of um, what we think it is and what it really can be. And kids that are graduating from undergraduate programs from business schools and then are not equipped really in the real world. As you who have an agency, you probably could be the first to know that if you were to gra hire a, a graduate from a very top school tomorrow, they haven't ever done any of it themselves. They've learned theoretically. And that in the, you know, there's a huge gap there. So I became really, really, I, I, I think that, I think that everything that happened to me the way that it did in my career happened in order, you know, I don't see this, you don't see failure like that at the time, but to do something with a bigger purpose. And for me, that is an education. So that's where I'm at now. Now I'm teaching um, at uh, many different schools, mostly uh, here at University of Texas now in Austin, uh, but we're instituting the curriculum into uh, schools around the world. What an incredible story. Very um, long-winded story. No, but I, you need the details to fully appreciate how you ended up to where you are today. So I really appreciate it. So no, I, I, it's, it's perfect for you to provide that amount of detail. So we get a great picture, a full picture of where you are today, your extensive history, you know, your passions and even just starting out, like the way that you started out. I mean, what a heartbreaking story that is, but but it led you to be so empowered from it. And it, it led you to create everything that you've done today. So um, I can only imagine that you wouldn't change a thing. But I guess I'll ask you, is there anything that you would change along that, that professional history, that personal history of yours? You know, Jesse, it's so interesting that you asked that question because it's something that is that, that question has played over in my head many, many, many times because my life has been very, very um, unconventional and roller coaster because I think I've often taken the path of most resistance. Uh, and, you know, with that comes like a, you, you find yourself in positions where you're like, did I, what am I, what did I get myself into here or should I really be doing this? Um, and so I have to say in total honesty, 
I, I personally would not do anything differently. However, if I had a daughter, I would never wish this path upon her. If that makes sense. That's so interesting. Uh, like any particular part of it or all of it? And just let's dive into that more. Like what, what about it? Would you there's, have there's, to avoid? Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of different variables. Um, and I think many women can resonate. I think men and women, but especially women can resonate. I do. I don't think that you can do it all um, and do it all well. I just don't. And, and, and there's this whole talk of balance. And if somebody asks me about, you know, what is my work-life balance or what is my balance in life or whatever that you, that is, um, I don't have balance. There's zero balance. I balance, unless I, you balance the extremes. And so with that, I've sacrificed a lot. Um, I've sacrificed personal relationships, um, the choice of family versus, um, you know, versus career. Uh, I've taken routes that are taken a lot longer or a lot harder than that I didn't need to take um, to be really blunt when I sold my company I don't have I, I didn't have to I don't have to be working like I am right now uh, but that is what makes me tick and makes me thrive and so you know the past couple of years with, with the education and the curriculum and um, the, the, the the books and all of these things this is not I realized, I learned about myself that this is not about, um, it's not about making money. I, you know, in my twenties it was, in New York it was, I had to, I had no connection. I had no safety. I had no, no family. I had no one I could turn to. So I had to. And there's that, that little girl that was like always running and running, running to try to prove yourself that you could make it, you could make it. And it's almost like I could take a big deep breath and realize that I have in, in a, you know, in a certain sense that I'm financially stable, um, but that won't ever fulfill me. And that it's in, it's a, it's an inner, inner trait that I will always be obsessed and thrive. So on being um, involved in something that I care about, that's a bigger purpose, or, you know, I think that's what it is. Some people have kids, some people have um, foundation, whatever it is but there needs to be, that's what, it's not about happiness. It's about purpose that makes us, that makes our lives. Mm, and for me, that's what it, I, at least now I, I've through going through all the different things and the asking those kind of questions, like, why, why did I, why am I always putting myself through this? Why am I always like starting opening Pandora's box and trying to do some other thing that involves, especially in the world of academia too. now incorporate that. And there's about, it makes corporate look like, you know, flexible. Uh, there's so much red tape and bureaucracy in academia. So you combine that with, you know, corporate and it's, I'm like, wow, this is probably the most challenging environment getting things done. Uh, and I, and I love it. Uh, so at least I accept now that I thrive on that. And I never thought I would teach. I always thought that my, my dad was a, was an elementary school teacher and I, I always thought, Oh my God, never, ever for those who can't do like, you know, this kind of whatever. And I started teaching basically to test out my curriculum. I love, I think for the rest of my life, I will uh, always keep at least one course. I hope until, until at least maybe until they, they, they pull me off the podium and tell me that my brain has gone to the, to the shitter, I will teach. So I, I love it. 
Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, I mean, look, as somebody who really has always prioritized education and um, I've said many times, I'm like, if I'm doing it right, I'll always be learning. Um, And also what a feeling it is though, on the other side to be able to show up and be there for those who prioritize it themselves, right? You are there to educate the people who show up every day and are enthusiastic about learning what you're teaching. I mean, you know, maybe in elementary school, it's not by choice. Certainly in high school, a lot of the times it's not by choice, but you would assume that in college, especially great schools, like you've, you've taught at, you know, these students are showing up by choice and um, they're certainly picking a class like this because they want to learn about it. Um, So, you know, it's wonderful to be able to, to give in that way. Um, So, you know, I, I, I think that those people are probably super grateful. I, I wonder for you though, just professionally speaking or personally speaking, you know, it's, it's a big shift. It's a big mental shift from, you know, owning your own agency to then going into academia and just professionally operating in such a different capacity. What has that been like for you, that experience? How is it different? And um, what's it taught you? There aren't many faces people are excited to see first thing in the morning before they've even had their coffee. But the McDonald's drive through workers who take your order on the way to work have almost all of those faces. Because nothing brings more joy in the morning than a 99 cents any size iced coffee. Pair it with a glazed full apart donut for a truly great morning. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Only available until 11 a.m. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Very, very different. Uh, and I still, I will still take on, I, I, I still, I, I actually, I'm still, I, I sit on a lot of boards, but I also still take on a certain number of clients just with me and like two, two, two employees, um, because I think that it's important to keep current. Uh, and I think that's basically, I saw two, a two, two, there's two sides and there's a good and bad on both sides. And one thing that I saw with academia was that this gap, which was, there's a lot of theory and what, what you do on an agency day to day, like I can't even imagine trying to teach that having not done it. Um, there's so many factors on being on both sides of the fence, um, especially in the world of like, they say, you know, when they say digital, digital business or digital marketing, and I'm like, there's not digital business. Every, everything's digital now. It's just business. It's just marketing. Um, and I just think that being current is the only way. And that gap has to be bridged. It has to be crossed. But then on the other side of it, academia has pushed me in probably more challenging than I ever would have imagined in terms of how do you develop frameworks and take stuff that is like agency work that's all kind of, you know, all over the place. And how do you put it into these minds of people, these fresh minds that if it might seem so natural to you, but if you don't have a buildup and a rhythm and organization and a frameworks and a why and, and, and the research behind everything, then you can't teach, not at that level. And there has to, and so putting all of the, the stuff that I never even 
thought about. And it's different than leading people. Leading people is different than, than teaching and then designing the curriculum around how do you make this make sense to somebody who's never done it and has to, and has to become, has to leave here equipped to do it. Um, and so there's been a, it's been a, a mental gymnastics for me, uh, which I like, I, I like, and I, I, you know, I think that everyone learns a lot. There's a, another professor that came in, um, I'm actually working on another project with him right now, but he's one of the biggest sports documentary producers out there. And they brought him in from LA and he's an older man and it's his first time to him. And it was his first year last year when he was teaching alongside me, um, at, at university of Texas. And I think some of the comments coming from him were the most hilarious and validating in terms of going from corporate <laughs> to going to academia. And it was, he was like, this is more work than I've ever done in my entire life. I just can't even imagine. And I was like, oh, at least I feel validated now. At least that I, this is not just me. He's like, this is, just, this is crazy. And it's so really it, fascinating. It's just really fascinating for me to hear what what needs to happen in order for a successful program to even exist. Because when I was in school, at least I wasn't aware of, I mean, I, I can't imagine it existed. There was, there were no programs out there that had any sort of curriculum about influencer marketing. Nonetheless, an right. entire program devoted to it. And then, you know, years later, I have, you know, I'm in a position where I'm hiring people and I, I'm suddenly hearing people who graduated from programs like this. And I'm like, that is so interesting. I'm meeting people who wrote a thesis on it. And it's, it's becoming more pervasive. You created UCLA's influencer marketing curriculum, um, which I think I, it's the first fully accredited program in influencer marketing, which is so interesting. You're you know spreading this to the University of Texas, um, perhaps far beyond, you know, those two universities, fingers crossed. For those of us who weren't fortunate enough to experience uh, a formal education uh, in influence and marketing, could you give us a little bit of a teaser about what you're discussing and what your students are learning about um, in your curriculum? Yes, and I don't think that a formal, and I, it's funny because I tell my students, all the time that this is, this course was developed as much as it is very much an accredited course. And there is, it, it is, there, there's a lot of infrastructure within it. So much of it is so different than anything they ever take. And the every, and I think that all my students could, I, I say this now, will, would agree that this course is like nothing they've ever taken on that. I've heard that time and time again, in that I try to give as much um, real world um, push as possible. And so that being said, so if you, if you're not taking a formal education, I do not think that puts you at a disadvantage in certain ways, especially in this, because I think that if anything, this forces you to do it yourself. And I think one of my favorite phrases to the students, and I think, you know, this, this is oftentimes a problem too, when you are too much into form, when you follow too much into formalized education, you're like, okay, so tell me what to do next. Tell me what to do next. And a lot of this, no one's going to tell you what to do. And my favorite phrase is figure it out, figure it out. And 
That's going to take, this is marketing business is not rocket science. It's not surgery, meaning that it's not a hard science. If you simply take what's what one company or one brand did really well, and you try to replicate that, it's not going to work for you because if it did every company, every brand would be successful. So rather it's a game of, okay, you need to be able to think creatively and think critically and think, yes, let's pull what best practices might work, but what is the situation? And part of that becomes to be really great. You need to be curious. You need to be asking questions. You need to tr keep trying because even what works for you last time, this is going to work for you this time. And so you have to be relentless in figuring it out, educating yourself, trying it yourself at the very minimum, like just, I, I almost think you can get more of a degree sometimes in marketing by trying to build your own website, start your own blog, start your own YouTube channel and really see, because as you know, it, doing it yourself and talking about algorithms that might help you be successful are two very different things. So I think the best thing you can do is do it yourself. And so is your course mainly in your coursework mainly targeted towards you know, younger college aged, um, young ad adults, or is it something that you suggest, you know, somebody who's been in the industry for a while, like, yeah, absolutely go and take this course as like additional continuing education. I'm so glad you asked that question. Cause, uh, it, it actually has become most popular in the executive education, which is, uh, when, uh, the programs that the school, I did this at UCLA and now UT, they go, they have corporate, corporate partnerships. And so they send their like C-suite executives over for these intensives, like a two week intensive, a weekend intensive. And so uh, my program has been um, one of the more popular ones in there. And then we also have a tower fellow program, which is people that have been very esteemed in their careers that are retired. Um, and are not really ready to retire, but don't want to work for money anymore. And so they get these honorary degrees. Um, so we have like the COO of Coca-Cola um, and um, the founder of CarMax in this program. I mean, some of the people in this program are incredible and they are the ones find most intrigued, most excited. I mean, it's also a great connector making, um, but also one of my, um, a lot of the programs that I'm putting it into, one of the ones I'm working on is at the University of Stockholm Business School and it is going to be their, um, like one of the final courses in their executive MBA program. So interesting. So I'd love to hear a little bit more about your experience working with brands, um, whether it's through your agency or, you know, guest speakers perhaps that you've brought in to, to lecture some of your students. You know, what are you hearing these days um, in terms of maybe the best way to work with influencers um, or, or what have you experienced yourself as some of the tried and true best practices to have a successful brand and influencer partnership? So I actually broke this down into three simple steps. And that was, that's basically the nature of my book, which it goes with the, the curriculum, but it's basically to make this very um to, to be able to walk through anybody. And that is um, for, to, to, to be successful with any kind of partnership. Number one, it starts with the goal and the objectives. And that's something that's often overlooked uh, because at the end of the day, a goal, if you're in business 
your goal at the end of the day is to make money, uh, to increase your bottom line, to, um, to increase market share. And that often gets confused with objectives, which are things like create brand awareness and conversion and leads and newsletters and event attendance and all these things. And those are important too, but you gotta start with the goal because an objective doesn't matter. If your objective is to go viral, your objective is to get off the charts engagement, whatever that term, bag term engagement is, how you define it, it doesn't matter if it doesn't draw back to your bottom line goal. So if your video on kitty cats goes viral tomorrow, but, and they close engagement and um, awareness out the, off the charts, that's great, but it doesn't matter if it doesn't go back to your brand and create the behavior that you wanted to create, which is usually sales. Um, and then in terms of the partnership, so now that you, once you go through, okay, I know my goal and I know my objectives, then, then brands typically usually start saying, okay, well, let's find an influencer. And I think if that's the next question, that's a problem. The next question should not be, let's find an influencer. It should be, let's figure out who is our audience and who are they following and where are they going for their, what do they need? What do they want? What are their pain points and who and where are they going for those answers? Because where that audience is going, those are your influencers and those may or may not. And, and that will help you discover so much more than you think. And a great example of this is, um, a very memorable example of this is when I moved to Texas, I learned about this company called Tractor Supply. And Tractor Supply is not just in Texas, but I never learned about this living in New York. Uh, Tractor Supply is the Walmart of the, you know, the feed and supply and farming uh, category. And Tractor Supply is not, um, is not a very sexy brand. So can you imagine being tasked with growing, um, growing sales and uh, awareness using an influencer uh, partnership for um, the home farming category? Not quite as simple as like going to your Instagram feed and finding, you know, some Instagrammer to talk about you. So what, what Tractor Supply did was they studied their audience first. And through studying their audience, they found that there is this guy named the Chicken Whisperer. I'm not kidding. This is a grown man named Andy Schneider. He calls himself the Chicken Whisperer. And he, uh, he got into backyard poultry farming to tell his kids where chickens came, where eggs came from. So this guy, we find out through the audience study that he has a blog talk radio show. Get this Monday through Friday, two hours a day of live blog talk radio, where he talks about farming chickens in your backyard. So if this is not mind blowing enough that somebody would do this, he has over 20,000 viewers tuning in daily to this show now i, th I feel like you're making this up but i, I trust no, you, you can look like this, it's you so can, unbelievable I, it's so unbelievable you can <laughs> this is why you can look this up and if you for all of you who are um who are interested 
he also has uh, books for sale. You can go, you can go to right now to Amazon and buy his books. So in Tractor Supply partnering with him, what they did was they have him give workshops at all of their various locations. So he can sell his books. They pay him a fee even to do these workshops. And he goes and he talks about the chickens. Well, every one of these workshops sells out. Not only does it sell out, they sell on average about $20,000 to $30,000 in that 40 minutes that he does these live things at whatever tractor supply of the day he's at. So my question to brands then is who is your chicken whisperer? Like who find like if you really become a scientist and a detective with your audience, you will find, and it's not usually, unless it's not who you think it's going to be. It's not as simple as like, let's look up the top 100 fashion influencers. Well, those top 100 are also getting bombarded. It's going to be very transactional. It's going to be a pay to post. It's, you know, there are all these things. And is your audience even really looking at that specific fashion influencer or that specific publication or platform or, or whatever? Um, and just to, to, to tie this back into a personal client, you know, I had a Beverly, uh, you know, to not to name names, but had a housewife um, and she would get bombarded with requests for um, uh, luxury, luxury designer items, and specifically a lot of handbags and shoes. And I used to like wonder who are these idiot brands that come? Have they, they've clearly not done their research because would she score massively high on like engagement? Oh yeah. Kill it. Her, she'd have conversation among conversation on her handbag of the day. And so like all of these, all of these vanity metrics would be incredible, but you know what? She couldn't sell one handbag. Why? Because her audience is not other rich housewives. They're not somebody that's going to spend 10,000 or 1000 or even $100 on a handbag. So they, she can generate buzz and engagement all day long, but she can't convert. So find, you have to know your audience first. And then three, you have to be able to connect with that influencer and figure out what it is that's going to motivate them beyond just a paycheck. Because if it's a paycheck, hire an advertising agency. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, all of those are so key. I wonder if there is a person listening. I wonder if people listening today um, are going to take those to heart because they're absolutely hugely important and insightful things to recommend because I've seen firsthand um, yeah, sure. implementing um, those ideas are like absolutely going to significantly help um, just conceptualize, just wrap your head around what a successful partnership could look like. Um, I love the chicken example. Um, that's hilarious. You won't be getting that one. <laughs> I will tell you though, Amanda, like what that also uh, uh, triggers in my mind is like there's an audience for everything. <laughs> yes. There, there's an audience for everything. And just because it's not an odd, like it's not a product or a topic that you are particularly interested in, like 
oh my God, you can, fi- you can find anybody. You can find, not just one person, all those people that are interested in, uh, in this topic and how like powerful that is. So it's almost, I almost wonder if like going for the obvious fits are even always the, the best, the best plan of attack. Like if you're selling something in the fitness space, do you go after people who are, you know, really into fitness or do you go after people who maybe are out of shape and who are, you know, aspiring to be in shape um, and who would really benefit from that? Um, I don't know. There, there's just, there's really unique ways that you can think about marketing um, and your yeah. audience is so key. It's not always the obvious one and there's an audience for everything. <laughs> um, look, I, I, we ask this question of everybody who comes on the podcast. I'm really excited to ask this of you. What do you wish anybody had told your younger self that would have given you a professional or a personal advantage today? Uh, this is something that I just discovered. Uh, and this is probably, this is one thing that I, I think this is the reason that I, I want to teach. I like to teach so much is because I wish that somebody would have told me how, how able every single one of us is to achieve astronomical greatness or success, no matter where we came from uh, or what resources that we are given. If we are able to figure out uh, what are the forces that we need to align with to make those happen. And that sometimes you have to take you know, we have, we're in a culture where it's go forward, go forward, go forward. And for me, it wasn't that way. And there's a lot of steps, you know, in my longer career story where I had to put an infrastructure in place because I didn't have the connections or the safety net or the, um, the funding or whatever it was in which I had to do things that I didn't want to do. And a lot of them required things that might've been embarrassing um, and looked like I was taking steps backwards in my career. Uh, and so I think that especially, especially, you know, when we've, we've come from a certain pedigree or you live in a competitive city like New York, or you've gone to a great school, there is this fear that we have to do these things that look a certain way on paper. Um, and, or that we are not that same, oh, we can't work. We're not going to be the CEO of this fortune 500 company because, oh, that's, that's for a different, that's the kind of, kind of person that's like that. I'm not in that category. When we, I, I think that if we all realize that these opportunities are so much easier to get than we think if we actually are willing to do the work to go after them. So I think those are the two things is that opportunities, no matter how great, there's always a way. And number two, but you have to be willing, they're not going to happen tomorrow. You have to be willing to put a long-term plan in place and not be afraid to strip yourself of your ego and do things. I mean, I can't tell you what my parents said when I um, graduated from business school and my mother said, oh my God, am I supposed to tell people you do YouTube for a living? And, and, and do you have health insurance? And are you getting a paycheck? And so I think those are the two things um, that I wish that somebody would have, because there was a lot of years there where it was, I wish somebody would have told my parents that actually. 
<laughs> well, let me get them on the phone right now. Yeah, please. Can, can we do a family intervention, that. please, Jesse? Yeah, let me go send them this link so they can hop <laughs> on this call. We're not have a very serious conversation. Um, no, I, <laughs> I, I get it. Right? If if only that were possible. If only somebody could, you know, tell your younger self and all the people in your life during your younger years that one thing it would make it different. But like you said earlier, like I don't know that I would necessarily do it so different. So. Right. It's a very philosophical question as well. Totally, totally. <laughs> <laughs> you have been such a breath of fresh air on this podcast. I really appreciate all your honesty and um, just sharing your own personal experience. There's so many words of wisdom that I'm so excited for our listeners to hear. Um, if people want to get in touch with you, and they should, what's the best way for them to reach you? Well, thank you. First of all, this has been so fun. I'm a huge fan of what you've built. Um, and for everybody watching that is not a part of this community, it's very rare to build a community so engaged um, like, like you have. So uh, first of all, congratulations. Uh, second, to reach me, well, uh, you can go to amandarussell.co and it's Russell with two S's and two L's. Um, the book is theinfluencercode.com and it's available on Amazon. Um, shameless self-plug is that I it's not sales I care about if anybody would like a copy I don't want that to be an issue um, so if you would like a, a copy uh, a digital copy I can always send that uh, directly so just contact me through my website um, and then you know LinkedIn all the usual suspects but for the book I really did create it uh, to help um, to, to hopefully help people and I think as much as it's about um, businesses and brands uh, it is also all of those same same tactics can be used personally for for you to build your career because uh, that's how I built mine. Absolutely, um, and what a career built! So, thank you so so much for being on today. Definitely check out her book. Go ahead and check out her website so you can see how to get in touch. Thank you so much for being part of the WIM community. It means so much when I hear you say those really complimentary things. And thank you all for listening today. Thank you everyone so much for listening. If you liked what you heard today, don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast. We love comments, so comment on this podcast and we may shout you out on our next episode. Join us next time and thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week. Tune in next week. There aren't many faces people are excited to see first thing in the morning before they've even had their coffee. But the McDonald's drive through workers who take your order on the way to work have almost all of those faces. Because nothing brings more joy in the morning than a 99 cents any size iced coffee. Pair it with a glazed full apart donut for a truly great morning. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Only available until 11 a.m. Ba -ba -ba -ba.